This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah. Hi, this is Joseph Haar in Shinju, Taiwan, the city that gave the world the wonderful and unorthodox Su Wei Shea. And you're about to have your eardrums infiltrated by the Tennis Podcast. Well, thank you very much to Joseph, one of our long-time backers and supporters here on the Tennis Podcast, and now a friend of the show, and uh, very delighted we are to have him as well. So it's a new year, it's 2022, and can't say it's much better than the last one so far, three days in. Um, Catherine Whitaker is here, she's got COVID. Um, <laughs> I'm David Law, I've got long COVID. <laughs> uh, Matt, how are you? <laughs> No COVID or long COVID. Let's put a yet at the end of that sentence. But I'm okay. okay we'll Thank that. you. Catherine, tell us about it. Textbook start to 2022 mm. uh, from me. Uh, yeah, I'm fine, folks. Uh, it's like having a cold so far. Touch wood. Um, but I am in, I'm in prison. Um, Billie Jean isn't enjoying that very much. <laughs> she's i'm being assisted by um very helpful neighbors and so on with walking her but um yeah it's really really i mean i'm fine touchwood but it's uh it's really miserable <clears throat> yeah well covid rubbish we know that much um let's hope uh, let's hope it's over soon um for all of us um right Let's talk about tennis. That's all I can think of to cheer ourselves up at the moment. And uh, fortunately, we've got a tennis podcast to do that on. Um, but uh, yeah, if you want to be like Joseph and uh, become a friend of the tennis podcast, you can. Uh, you can introduce a show. You can have a shout out. Um, and uh, yeah, we've got another new episode for friends very soon in the plans. We're going to try and record that later this week if we can. <laughs> My first Australian Open is the idea. Um, we've got several others over the next month or so, and if you haven't already signed up to become a friend, we've got uh, My First Wimbledon, and, and news of uh, Catherine's uh, decimation of her, her former house, and uh, our first experiences of going 
to Wimbledon. My parents uh, still you. live in that house, David. No form, yeah. no former about it. No, fortunately, you you, you fixed it all. <laughs> fixed the roof. Brilliant. Um, and a, qualif- uh, a qualified professional did it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Catherine no longer lives there, so that's uh, probably for the best. Uh, given what she did to it, I'm hoping. So anyway. to, I'm hoping to visit at a at a at a date in the not too distant future, if I'm ever allowed. Yeah, yeah indeed. So we're, we're we're three days into the new tennis season. Crikey, that kind of crept up on me. I I, I really genuinely got taken by surprise on New Year's Day when I realised that we were halfway through the first day of the ATP Cup mat, which um, wasn't wasn't a great start, I didn't think, the first few hours of, of it. Um, it ended up becoming better when uh, Alex Diminor took to the court, I thought. Um, but, yeah, it, it wasn't a, a very good sort of start, but maybe that's also in keeping with how I'm generally feeling at the moment. Yeah, I don't want to be that guy that sort of dumps on the ATP Cup on the very first, you know, tennis is back show of the year. But maybe that's just how we're feeling at the moment. And we're all a bit down about it generally. Um, Look, I struggle to get into the ATP Cup. I have done, I think, every year it's been on. Particularly, I think, because each time it's been on, I've been sort of focused on the Davis Cup just before it. And then sort of 30 days later, you get what feels like the same thing. And it just doesn't feel like a particularly brilliant start to the season. That being said, there have been some good matches, which I've enjoyed already. As you said, Alex Dumanor, Matteo Berrettini was excellent. I watched Stefano Sitsipas, Diego Schwartzman today. That was fun too. Um, so I do think it will produce some good moments, but that I don't think those moments will sort of uh, make up for the fact that I still don't really know why the ATP Cup exists, what it is, how I'm supposed to feel about it, all that sort of thing. Mm. It's got, I feel like, some good bits. I was watching Mm. it this morning and and kind of, there were bits that I I think we've always liked, the, the, the teams being in the corner and mic'd up and there for all to see. And, and that element of it's very well presented. And actually, I think as a TV product, it's it seems pretty well presented. And then some of the teams are wonderfully decked out in the same kits with the name on the back, like Chile had had the name Chile on the back and they all looked in sync. And then you've got other teams where they're completely different outfits on the same team. And then the first the first sight of the new season I had was two teams in red shirts playing against one another and i had i couldn't actually tell which one was which <laughs> which i mean that's, what's that's that about that's tennis's textbook start to 2022 that's the <laughs> tennis equivalent of getting covid <laughs> yes it, it's but but i do share your your view that it's there's lots and lots of good little events going on uh, with teams involved and none of them are particularly satisfactory at the moment that's that's the, the bottom line i'd take a bit of ATP cup and a bit of Lever cup and some of davis cup and put them all together and then you might have something good and then you know and then my daughter who turned who, who sat by me to yesterday when i turned it on said oh is, is there a women's ATP cup and i said no and she said why not in this day and age and i said well politics and she said no because it's stupid that's all yeah that's pretty much sums it up <laughs> but um yeah the, the the qualification criteria are 
are a massive problem with the ATP Cup if if it's laying claim to legitimacy. And it, this is the argument we have with with the Labour Cup a lot, isn't it? That that the whole thing that a lot a lot of the criticisms you can aim at them would be either invalidated or certainly alleviated if they embraced being an exhibition and, and didn't want to be sort of desperately grasping at legitimacy. But but they do want legitimacy. They want to be they want to be ranking tour events. And for me that makes the qualification criteria policy just laughable really that teams teams get in on the basis of their number one singles players ranking i mean we have a we have a georgia team without nicolas basilashvili um and i mean obviously well maybe not goes without saying let's say i i'm not sure there is a tennis fan on the planet that has heard of any of those players i think they're all ranked outside the world's top 500 there are i'm sure we'll come on to talk about novak djokovic his participation in the australian open is still unknown um it was confirmed last week that he pulled out of the atp cup and obviously that fueled speculation about his vaccine status and whether he'd be playing the australian open and yes maybe it is to do with that honestly we have no idea what's going on with novak djokovic at the moment but there was also a lot of speculation none of it confirmed i've no idea if this is the case but there was a lot of speculation that he never intended to play the atp cup and he entered in order to get serbia in on the basis of his ranking i don't know if that's how it was played genuinely no idea but that is a very plausible scenario and the fact that that's a plausible scenario is a is a big problem for the tournament i mean david has been watching a match played by the world's number 2 greek player and that's that's time in your life that you'll never get back david yeah i i, I was watching the uh the doubles involving petros Tsitsipas, and I, I think it is. The oh, first okay, time not, okay. He's not even the number two, is he? There's a number two player that I think isn't a member of the Tsitsipas family. Is that Pervalaris. right? Is, that's, it, is it that? The, that's the guy. He yeah. is going to have like tales to tell in twenty years <laughs> of all those years he got to go to Australia and hang out with the best players in the world. Yeah, I think he's ranked higher than Petros. Well, Petros is in the 700s, apparently. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I did find myself, because because I'm not feeling so great these last few days, I've spent a lot of time on the sofa watching tennis, which is, you know, kind of good preparation for this. Um, but it did make me think, because I've never really watched Petros Tsitsipas play a tennis match before, and I, I just sat there watching him both trying to work out, well, what sort of tennis player is he? How good is he? And because he's only twenty-one years of age, but I mean, he's so he's so much physically different to Stefanos. Much shorter, short back and sides haircut, kind of burly shoulders, but doesn't look particularly athletic. And yet, the first three or four shots he hit, he hit a really hard, firm ball. But he looked, frankly, he looked like a really, really good club player. Is how he, is how he looked. He didn't look like a a player who's going to be a world-class tennis player at, at any level, really. Um, and I, and yet I started to look at him and think, there's so many questions I'd love to ask this guy about how he feels hanging around 
Stephanos getting all these opportunities to play events and be his teammate and be on the same team and all the rest of it and I kind of a bit of me felt a bit sorry for him sort of wondering if he if he feels a bit awkward about it and and I'm thinking I'd maybe I could one day interview him and then I thought well I'd be I'd find that really awkward as well asking him questions about what it's like to be Stephanus's brother or being around, you know, what here are his ambitions? Does he really think he can make it at the top hundred level? I don't, I don't know. So I don't know anyway, if anybody's read any interviews, I'm not sure it's about save me the trouble, send him over. Uh, but it was, it was very ATP cup in a way that I'm watching this match. Um, and kind of good and bad. I'm kind of, I was interested to watch it, but it's all a bit weird is a bit weird and moving back on to Stefanos Tsitsipas his situation is a bit weird at the moment there've been a there've been some conflicting quotes he's given he he actually sat out the first singles match that Greece played um and was and was seen watching that match with an ice pack on his on his elbow which he obviously had surgery on over the off season that was quite worrying i think he then played the doubles which they won and he came into the press conference and he was quite upbeat about his elbow. He said that finally it's able to feel normal again. And he's just sort of taking it slowly because he's using muscles he hasn't used in a while. And he's building back up full form, full confidence in it. So that's why he sat out. And then he played today, as we're coming to you, against Diego Schwartzman. And look, he lost in three sets. I thought there were points where he played really really well particularly the end of the first set he he won that on a tie break he looked like his his old self he was sort of really athletic on the court really playing really well was up a break in the second set things were looking good for Sitsipas in his his first match of the year his first match back from the elbow surgery and then I think he got tired I think he faded as that match went on and Schwartzman reeled him in and he was fantastic Schwartzman and then Tsitsipas has given some quotes after this match saying that he doesn't know what his plans are for the Australian Open. He says, I would love to play, but I don't know how I'm going to feel tomorrow. So I don't know. I can't commit to the Australian Open. So there's a lot of uncertainty, I think, around Tsitsipas at the moment. He said he was pleased with how he played. He was going for shots in his match that he wasn't going for a couple of weeks ago. He didn't have the confidence to go for them. So he's moving in the right direction. But it's possible that this Australian Open has come around a bit too quickly for him after that surgery, and he's not going to be as ready as he would like to be. Speaking of Sitsipas quotes, um, if you, David, is it still current information that you have Sitsipas muted on Twitter? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, seeing as seeing as we're both a bit down in the dumps, maybe we could do with some some wisdom, some some you know some some helpful nuggets of philosophy. And Stefanos Tsitsipas's Twitter timeline is the place to go for that, folks. It's like it's like free therapy at the moment. Uh, would you like a little a little sample, David? Go for it. Mm. Just before you start, how many of these are Sitsipas originals? Do we know? Oh, I've I've no idea. Because he does have a bit of a habit of quoting something and sounding like it's from him, and then yeah, I mean, he, he's it's, it's like he's got a pile of greetings cards in front of him, or you he, know, he doesn't necessarily credit sources. You know those <laughs> you know those diaries that have a, a quote on every page. 
Mm. It's like one of those. Um, okay, the quieter you become, David, the more you can actually hear. Right. Mm. Okay. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> uh, we have the art of life is letting go. Letting go of what? A- a- anything and everything. Um, He says, uh, we mature, that was a total dad joke, David, Uh, we mature with the damage, not the years, he says. He says, he says, work until you no longer have to introduce yourself. Can you still hear me? Sorry, I just dropped my uh, earphones. What was that last bit? Work until you no longer have to introduce yourself was his Boxing Day Pearl of Wisdom. Okay. Mm. Uh, On December 27th, he said, photography is a sport. Is it? Well... It's not, not, is it? No, definitely don't don't take Stefanos Sitsabas tweets as certified fact, David. That's not the point of this at all. I'm trying Um, to work out where he's coming from. On December 29th, he said, informed is greater than influenced. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, And then his New Year's Day pearl of wisdom. Would you like that? Yes, please. Yep. Cheers to the people who love us, the losers who lost us, and the lucky ones who still get to meet us. Cheers, Stephanos. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, well, that's... <laughs> he's had an eventful few months, hasn't he? I hope he's at his elbows well soon. Um, I, I watched uh, most of his match today. And, and he... I mean, yeah, it was nearly three hours. I thought he looked quite good, to be honest. But I don't know whether you can go back to back if your elbow's hurting like that in matches like that. Um, and it's been a, it's been a a weird couple of days in terms of results because um and and looking at like the Russia team I mean that's an incredible group that they're part of Russia Italy Australia I mean that's a really strong group but Russia are decimated aren't they Matt I mean I noticed um uh, Medvedev lost yesterday and then I, I looked around for his faithful backup Rublev and Karatsev from uh, from Davis Cup times and they were nowhere to be seen doesn't reflect well on France that Rublev's not there, Karatsev's not there, Hakshanov is opting to play a different tournament to actually get some matches in. He's a Davis Cup winner now, Matt. He's, <laughs> he doesn't need to faff around with the ATP Cup. So he, he could have got matches in if he'd have just Well, yeah, entered. indeed, as it happens. But all those players weren't there. Medvedev lost and they still managed to beat France. And Rublev and Karatsev are both positive COVID-19 cases, weren't they? Yes, so they had to pull out of the event and isolate. And um, Roman Safulin, who I believe is a former junior Grand Slam champion, and I think was the Russian who was really tipped to come through, you know, seven or eight years ago, and has never managed to break through. I don't think he's ever been in the top 100. He won... Medvedev then lost to Ugo and Bear. Ugo and Bear, by the way, has a sneaky good record against a lot of players. He's got a winning record against Medvedev, Sitsipas, and Zverev. Interestingly, they all seem to rate him, don't they? Lots of lots of top players have a sort of little hat tip towards Ugo and Bear. Yes, I remember Nick Kyrgios being very impressed with him as well. Um, and then Medvedev came out having lost that singles in which he was really below par has to be said he 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 didn't play well Medvedev lots of errors lots of 
just uncharacteristic Medvedev things <laughs> while receiving a massage. Yeah. Didn't, there was no time to say, mate, s- stop massaging me. I d- just look away now. Uh, he just picked up a bucket and started throwing up in it, right? Yeah. Mm. Or or a bin. Yeah, I think it was a bin. Mm. Uh. It was a bin, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we've all sort of been there. Um, not necessarily <laughs> on on a tennis court, live on the telly while receiving a massage. But I think, has everyone puked into a bin at some stage? I feel like everyone's puked in a bin. Mm. Mm. Part, of, part of life, isn't mm. it? Yeah. yeah. And anyway, then he won a doubles match. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So, can you take out anything as a form guide? If you if you look back on the couple of editions of the ATP Cup in the in the past, do you take anything from the form guide that it gives you from for what ends up happening at Australian Open? Should we be reading anything into any of this? Well, Jim, was it two years ago that Djokovic won the ATP Cup with Serbia, yeah. and? And didn't you make a bold prediction of that? But you thought the opposite would happen. Is that right? You thought it might have taken too much out of him. Yeah, thanks, Catherine. Sorry. I did... <laughs> Look <laughs> no, how this right. conversation <laughs> worked out, David. <laughs> but, but that was when we... That was the first the first incarnation of the ATP Cup, wasn't it? We didn't know. We were learning as we went about what it is and no, you're, what implications right. it has on... On, on everything where it sits in in tennis i genuinely wasn't trying to throw you under the bus there david it's, it's just quite all right it's i mean just this panned is out home, brilliantly i, I, mean, I don't the, think the home I'm, of rubbish predictions what i'm saying david right. is i don't think you would ever any of us would ever say something like that now that oh well that <laughs> that any result at the atp cup would in, would lead us to draw dramatic conclusions about the Australian Open in a couple of weeks' time. Unless it's sort of injury, you know, unless it's a sits-a-pass thing where we're learning that maybe his elbow isn't quite right yet. You know, for example, Medvedev losing to Umber, I don't don't read much into that. Um, No, I think think that could be a product of Medvedev not having that much of an off-season and that might have a knock-on effect at the Australian Open if he, if he's fatigued in any way or not fully prepared I'm, I'm not predicting that I think Medvedev will have a strong Australian Open but it might be something that we come back to later I suppose I think another couple of players that spring to mind from the past I remember Berrettini looked brilliant in the ATP Cup last year and looked brilliant mm. at the start of the Australian Open as well before he got that injury but that that sort of set him up for a really good year I think and then the other one is Alex Dumanor has played really well in the ATP Cup in the past and then had his Australian Open curtailed. I think one year he, he ran into Rafael Nadal quite early. One year he actually got injured at the ATP Cup and then and then couldn't play the Australian Open. And last year, from memory, he, he was playing really, really well and then he had to play a match at the Australian Open against Fanini behind closed doors. And it just oh, yeah. it took away all of... Dumanor's energy and it actually really focused Fanini and Fanini played brilliantly <laughs> um, so there have been little examples in the past where we've perhaps been able to read into ATP Cup form or think ATP Cup form might might tell us something about the Australian Open but I don't know it's it's not conclusive I don't think. Um, actually Dumanor did a bit of a Cam Norrie in his post-match interview yesterday after beating mm. Berrettini, and he was very good. 
by the way. I found, I found that a really interesting match. It was another example of what you can gain sometimes from having Jim Courier on commentary. He pointed a couple of things out and they've had sometimes had him sitting courtside as well. And he just notices one or two things that I, I, I've not picked up on before about how Diminor just sort of stands stock still to return serve and doesn't move an inch, doesn't move back and forth, just stands there and challenges an opponent. Doesn't matter how hard they hit the serve, he's standing on the baseline. Um, and uh, And afterwards... Diminor said, I'm in the best shape of my life and I'm ready to have a big year. And I thought that's that was boldly said. That was boldly said in the way that Norrie said what he said at the beginning of 2021 about, you know, who do you think is going to have a big year? Well, me. <laughs> you know, Maybe he heard I, you all laughing at me on the live show a couple of weeks ago when dredging up our start of the year predictions and the fact that I had Alex de Manor in my end of year top 10 that was but that was that a was, year ago well yeah but mm. and i and in response to your laughter i said well you'd probably have laughed if i'd said cam norrie as well yeah no it's a fair point and and actually the other thing that struck me was the difference in Dimonor's demeanor and i didn't mean to say that as, as it came out um from the end of last year when he's playing in Madrid or wherever he was playing in the group stages of the Davis Cup, I can't remember where, they, where Australia were based, but, but how how lifeless it all seemed in his matches versus what it was like last, the other night in front of an Australian crowd where he is a hero. They absolutely revere him. Every move he makes, every fist pump, every every disappointment the crowd are feeling with him and he, it's like he's plugged in to the, the the crowd there um and i do think he could if he could stay fit i mean he had covid last year and he had a from what i understood that took a lot out of him and he had some setbacks but he could have if he stays fit a real breakthrough year i could believe it i could believe it catherine he could be the cam Norrie of 2022 i could believe that um so the, the other one that i did think and I'm not saying it wasn't just because it was ATB Cup, but I did watching Zverev yesterday beating Norrie, and it was seven six six one, and he was serving above eighty percent first serves in. I did think Zverev looks as kind of composed as I've seen him, and in terms of just clearly thinking he's it, he is ready, he is going to be the one. That's that's in his mind. I think he thinks it's it's inevitable that he's going to make a breakthrough pretty much this year. Well, he he said as much. There was a quote going round in the Sitsipas press conference that Zverev had apparently said, I must say I missed this, but apparently he said, the big three is now me, Djokovic and Medvedev on a hard court or, or, or something like that based on the results of the past six months. And Sitsipas was asked what he made of that quote and he said, uh, let's let the tennis do the talking, which was yeah. way better than than any of his tweets as an answer. <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit of a shame that Sid's about him. It's a shame anyway that he's got an elbow injury, but I'd, I would love to see him without an elbow injury trying to prove that wrong, he's, really. Cause... Mm. He, he's done a new tweet 12 minutes ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> News oh, just in. Uh, remember the power of intention, he says. Is that directed at Zverev? I uh, mm. don't know. In terms of uh, the the big three quotes, um, well, it's going to be very interesting. All of this stuff. I 
I don't find the storylines on the men's side as as more, there's not as many of them that I'm interested in anywhere near as as there is on the women's side. But there's two or three that are just intriguing in terms of what where it's going to end up going. Um, and uh, yeah, I, noticeably though, after that match, Zverev was interviewed and. Uh, the guy said to him one of those questions that isn't really a question. He said, um, "He said, oh, you guys have got a pretty, pretty formidable doubles lineup, haven't you? Because it was one-one at the time." And he goes, "Yeah," and he just walked off. And then he was selected for doubles. And then he got absolutely taken to the cleaners by Dan Evans and uh, Jamie Murray. And you could see in Evans' body language how pumped up he was to to take it to to, to Zverev. Gone down. <laughs> And he did. And I mean, honestly, it was quite interesting. I, I don't exactly know what was going on with the team selections there. For, for instance, Evans being put in with Murray and Salisbury not. I don't know whether that was a Salisbury injury. Um, and the the excellent doubles team from the end of last year, the Davis Cup team for Germany of Kravitz and Tim Puetz, that was broken up and, um, and Zverev was put in. And frankly, they looked nowhere near as strong. Yeah, I was surprised to see Zverev there. I did read some analysis that GB have ended up with a doubles pairing there in Jamie Murray and Joe Salisbury, which actually doesn't work because they both play on the same side. Oh, right. And you would have to be—you'd have to move one across, and therefore, you probably make sense to bring in Dan Evans, who can who can play on that other side. Is a good doubles player, can bring a bit of his presence to the court, I suppose. And yeah, I thought. Jamie Murray and Dan Evans combined really well, which, you know, you wouldn't have said three years ago, would you, when they were having their little, well, quite big beef, actually, about doubles. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd forgotten that. Mm. That's right. Yeah, of course. Dan Ooh. Evans said that doubles players were singles players who didn't make it. Yeah. And uh, Murray said he didn't know what he was talking about. Mm. Uh, and that his career had been a bit of something like a bit of an embarrassment or something like that. Um, because of of his lack of um, dedication, he made a hash of it. He said he's made a hash of his career. L- Louis uh, Louis Kaya just received an MBE, didn't he, in the New yeah. Year's uh, New Year's Honours list? And actually, the 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 nice thing about that Evans Murray spat is that they are playing doubles together, and they clearly, even though they've given each other an absolutely awful time in the media for about ten minutes, they've now they've got on famously. Um, but uh, yeah, Louis Kaye, uh, MBE, that's, that's nice. That's a nice little story. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Is there anything else from the ATP Cup that you've noticed at all, Matt? It'll just potter along its to, to the, the final stages we'll bring you up to date with what's gone on in next week's show but is, is there anybody else that stood out at all no not really i think roberto bautista agu got a good win over casper rude um that was in the middle of the night i didn't see that but i think he's been playing well um taylor fritz beat felix orger aliasim in in a close match i think fritz is one to watch this year probably generally given what given the way he's talked about himself given the little signs he showed at the end of last season, season beating Zverev in Indian Wells. Um, I think, honestly, the other interesting men's stories are going to be in the Melbourne event, which is starting tomorrow, where we've got Andy Murray as a wild card back in Australia for the first time since they retired him. I watched that video again the other day, and I had forgotten that Caroline Wozniacki says to him, if you want to be my coach, you can. And uh, obviously, she's retired and Murray's playing. It just just <laughs> sort of the more and more distance we get from that video, the more and more absurd it does seem. Um, and of course, that'll be where Rafa Nadal is, is, is making his return as well. So I'm really and Kyrgios fascinated is in that by field that. as well, I think. And Kyrgios, yeah. So I think, I think my attention will probably be on on that event over the next few days, actually. Quite a good few stories there. Mm. And the, so there's two ATP events, aren't there? Um, it, there's the one in Adelaide, which has got Monfils, Hachinov, Chilich and Tiafa. But you're right, the the big names are all in that one in Melbourne. And, and as you say, lots of little storylines to, to look ahead to. Um, the, the WTA tour is starting in Adelaide. I was watching a bit of this today and just in terms of the presentation, I mean, the field is looks fantastic. They've got Ash Barty as the top seed. She's playing her first match since uh, the US Open. Um, faces either Coco Goff or a qualifier in her first match. Blimey. Um, Sabalenka's there. Saka is there. Uh, Elena Rabakina. I watched Leila Fernandez today beating Ekaterina Alexandrova. But the, the sort of presentation of it on TV was very different to Sydney in terms of just the feel where you'd got two commentators you've got a, a, a Jim Courier courtside in in Sydney at the ATP Cup and whereas the WTA coverage was just a single commentator um and uh, so very different feel and and actually a very different acoustics in the stadium it sounded it sounded very echoey and um not particularly intimate really it's uh, only in the in the Leila Fernandez match but uh, but she looked she looked good. I mean, I find her an interesting one, a bit like 
Sophia Kennan in her second season after winning the Australian Open. It was it's interesting to see how they cope with it and the the different set of expectations. But I don't know what what do you, how do you think she'll get on this year? My, my my I was impressed with her today. Just just straight to business. Took on this big hitter. Beat her in straight sets. I think she's going to have a big year. I, I do. I think perhaps losing that final was at the US Open was, I don't want to say a good thing, because obviously you want to win the US Open. Of course you do. And she's gutted she didn't win it. But there maybe is just a little bit less pressure. There's still, she might feel like she's really got something to prove still. She might still think that she wants, you know, she's desperate to get in to that pack of players who've won Grand Slam tournaments. I think she's going to be able to bring that same sort of energy and fight that she had that tournament to sort of every match she plays and I think that's what makes her really dangerous yeah I I agree I think but people often talk about you know second season syndrome and and the transition from going from being the the hunter to the hunted you know she's she's got a target on her back now she becomes somebody that it's a big deal to beat well I I think her personality is perfectly suited to being that I mean she just loves a scrap she's always up for a fight I don't think she minds people coming for her and perceiving her that way I think yeah I I think that transition will actually suit her and yeah you know she'll 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 I think always be susceptible to potentially being hit off the court you know her her physical attributes are what they are but that's that's not going to happen very often and yeah, I, I I think she's going to have a really, really good year. What that exactly looks like, I don't know. But I certainly don't think we're going to have a, you know, a tricky second album. Mm. It, it, I agree with you. It's not the same as winning it in terms of attention and your responsibilities. I don't think are as extreme. I mean, I think Raducanu is a particularly extreme case because of how, how absurd her story was coming from nowhere and winning the whole thing. But the attention on her and the, the requirements for her are now pretty unparalleled. But even when I think back to, to players like Sviantek and Kerber and uh, Ostapenko, when they won their, their first big titles, life changed for them. I don't know how much life has changed for Fernandez. I'm sure it's changed compared to where it was, but if she'd have won the thing, you know, her life is a different life altogether. Um, so perhaps she can just get back to work a bit quicker as a result of, of not having won it. Um, and, and as you say, just still have that fervent desire to, to reach the top immediately. There's no, there's no kind of needing to revise goals or anything like that. She just carries on with the same goals to, to, to win. Um, and it must be a bit different when you've already got there and been celebrated in quite the way that, that a Grand Slam champion for the first time is. Um, cracking match uh, in round one on the plate between Paola Bedossa and Victoria Azarenka um, at that particular event. Is, is that tonight? I mean, that's, that is going to be amazing. Yes, so they are playing doubles together as well in that tournament. Oh. And, and they beat uh, the top seeds, I think, Ayama and Shibahara in their first match. And now tonight, tomorrow, they come out and play singles against each other. Obviously a repeat of the 
Indian Wells final from just a few months ago, which I think everyone would agree was one of the matches of the year. So kind of incredible that they've drawn each other in in round one. I I, I cannot wait for that. Um, also saw Sakari got a win her first match against Tamara Zidane. She lost the second set six love, and generally wasn't particularly happy with, with the way she played I think but just important to get that first win and Elena Rabatkina got a win as well over over Storm Sanders who I was interested to see after her performances at the Billie Jean King Cup uh, she she pushed Rabatkina but I think Rabatkina just had a bit too much firepower really and the other big result from Adelaide is Priscilla Hon beating Petra Kvitova and you can go you can go very early on calls, but I mean genuinely they might have played the point of the year already. I, I don't know whether you saw it. This no. is exactly the time of year that you went very big on Victoria Kuzmova. Just no, I'm just I'm just going with point of the year. Okay, point. Okay, right. Describe that. Well, Kavitova must have thought she'd put the ball away about eight times and Hon just kept getting it back, kept anticipating it, eventually managed to lob Kvitova. Then they then they went back into a baseline exchange. It was just fantastic. And Nick Kyrgios actually tweeted that he thinks Priscilla Hon's really great. I think perhaps just as a reaction of seeing this point, because it was sort of spectacular, take your breath away. Unfortunately, it ended on an unforced error, which does influence i suppose how you end up feeling about the rally unfortunately but it was it was mesmerizing anticipation from from Priscilla Hahn and i think i've always sort of seen her name i've always seen her in the australian fed cup or Beijing king cup team for example but never actually really watched her play and she was impressive she's she, she's got some game and yeah I, I i would advise everyone to to check out that point it's doing the rounds will do well, Dion, well, that's a, a bit of a tiebreaker, though, isn't it? If you don't end up winning the point on a winner. That's true. Mm. Mm. Might count against her in the end. <laughs> um, the I think the two nicest sights of the tennis year so far to me were the tweet of Rafael Nadal saying, look where I am. And there was a picture of him standing on a tennis court in Australia and with a big smile on his face. And the other one was uh, the sight of Naomi Osaka arriving into Australia herself and it's been a long time since since we've seen her on a on a course that would have been the US Open of course um a few months ago and she was so upset of course after the the uh, the match she lost against Leila Fernandez and she said she was going to take a break from the game and obviously we we don't know how how things are going to go for her but just seeing her back just seeing her there and looking ready to compete again is is a really nice sight. She's got Elise Cornet uh, drawn in the first round of the WTA Melbourne Somerset One, which is a bit of a departure from what we were doing last year with our uh, Grampians trophies and all that, mm. Catherine. But uh, I miss the so, names. <laughs> I miss the names as well. And and we put so much effort into. I'm not going to say learning those names because <laughs> not entirely sure we could recite them by heart but familiarizing ourselves with those names and getting our heads around them and feeling just them becoming a part of the sort of Australian tennis season furniture that to have them wrenched away from us feels a bit bit brutal really Um, maybe they listened to this and thought they're taking the mick right well we won't use them then no, but it was a fond. It was a fond taking the mick. Very fond. Yeah. 
If only so we had map, such Melbourne. power. <laughs> Nobody's listening to this. <laughs> I learned how saying. to pro- what was the place that I learned how to pronounce? Gippsland. Gippsland. There After we go. a lot oh. of emails. <laughs> so many emails. Yeah. Ha- have a have a think about WTA Melbourne Somerset One and what you might be able to do with that, Catherine. Because uh, <laughs> we're gonna need something. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, I've got a, I've got a lot of time to to devote to that task, so I've got to come how, up with something good. How many days you got left? Well, if I if I'm if I can return two negative lateral flows twenty four hours apart, then I can be free on Thursday. But my lateral flow tests have been negative all the way through, so oh. so they're not worth the money they're written on. I don't know. Anyway, oh the COVID maze. <laughs> Indeed. Um, Samantha Halep is also back, thankfully. Uh, second seed in that WTA Melbourne Somerset 1 tournament. <laughs> uh, faces the qualifier in round one. And, and, I'm, and I'm quite interested in Simona Halep this season. She's really, I think, fallen out of the conversation, to be honest. We mm. don't talk about Simona Halep. She's also fallen out of the top 10, I think, for the first time in seven or eight years. Um, I, was, I was reading an interview with her on the WTA web, website today where... She's talking about her goal is to get back in the top 10. And I think, I really think it could, obvious, but it could go one or two ways for Halep. She seems very happy, very content. And I've always got the words of Mary Carrillo ringing in my ear. Is she too happy? Is she too content? Has she almost got too much perspective on life now? Or will that free her up? And will we see a sort of resurgence from her again? I I, I wouldn't be surprised by either, but I, I hope it's, the latter because I love watching Simone Hallett play and I think I think she's a great player in her own own right but she also makes a great opponent and she makes great matches and the deeper she goes in tournaments the better really as far as I'm concerned so I'm intrigued to watch Halep again and the key is staying healthy she's not been able to do it for a while now but hopefully she can hmm. indeed um, yeah we'll keep a close eye uh, the WTA Melbourne Somerset 2 <laughs> Which also starts on the same day. is also a two hundred and fifty event, and just has a completely different field. Uh, has Jessica Pagula as the top seed, um, Elisa Merton's second seed. Have they done this by ranking? Are they, have they st- sort of stuck all the highest ranked players in the one drawer and all the others in the rest? Yeah, it's a bit odd, isn't it? I, I don't, I don't quite know how this has happened. I guess you just enter one or enter the other, and this is the way it's fallen. I don't know. Hmm. Okay, Kostyuk. Uh, Sarah Sharibas Tormo, uh, Mandra Nisimova, Clara Towson, Daria Kasatkina, all in that draw. Uh, the one player you'll have noticed I haven't mentioned on the WTA side is Emma Raducanu, um, who has pulled out of Melbourne, it says. I think that's one of the two Somerset events this week. Um, so maybe he's going to be back I next think week. she was going to be in one. I think okay. she was going to be in the one with the Sarka. Right. Well, I mean, she's... She's had COVID. She had that isolation period in Abu Dhabi, wasn't it? And um, says she needs more preparation before she can get playing competitive tennis. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's it's one thing getting this virus and hopefully being asymptomatic or at least being having mild symptoms. But then you, you've got to make up physically from what you've lost, both as somebody who's not been very well and has been in a hotel room all, all that time and also has just not been able to train and compete and play practice sets and you, you are behind aren't you i mean that's a and, unless they've a got a peloton david i would say oh 
Is that the key? I did a very lacklustre 20 minute Taylor Swift uh, core class yesterday. All oh, right. <laughs> yep. So I don't. I don't have a Peloton. Tennis players take note. <laughs> Okay. Um, And so, yeah, Emma Adekano, I don't know whether she's going to try and play next week, but it's a big ask, isn't it, to to expect her to sort of make any inroads, I think, at this Australian Open with the depth of the competition and when you're behind, when you haven't had any any match play. Um, I don't. I, I don't. I don't think it would be surprising if she lost first round. Really, the Australian. She, she is intending to play a warm-up tournament the week before, isn't she? I, I mm. think she said. I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it. I mean, it'll depend on the draw she gets there. Whether she's able to get a few matches under her belt there as a launch pad going into the Australian Open. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a. I mean, she was always going to be an unknown ahead of this Grand Slam, I think, but it just throws an extra element of of reason to be cautious, I think, mm. re-Emma Raducanu. And plenty of intrigue all the way through the year, really, I think, for her as well, because she just doesn't know. She's never done this before, um, which is extraordinary to think. Um, Novak Djokovic has been seen hitting in Spain, mm. but we haven't Maybe. seen him in Australia yet. Is that correct? He's been in Menorca, is that right? I think I read Marbella. Marbella, that's the one. I knew it wasn't Mallorca, but I also knew it was an M. Mm, Marbella. So she, she went with Mallorca anyway. Um. No, I went with Menorca. <laughs> oh, Menorca. Menorca. Oh, first place I ever went on a plane to, <clears throat> would you oh. believe? Really? Many years ago. Um, yes, yes. He's, he's been spotted on uh, hitting with Australian Open balls on a blue court in, oh. in Marbella. Yeah. Well, that's either an interesting sign of his potential participation or just a sort of troll. I'm so sort of... I'm I don't know about you, but I'm so bored of this Djokovic mystery. I know it's his own medical situation, and he has absolutely no obligation to disclose it to us or anybody else. Um, but I'm so tired of this mystery. It'd be just nice so to know if he intends to it. try to play or not. Simple as. <laughs> that's that's all I want. I mean, I think the answer is it's not in his hands and he doesn't know yet whose hands it's in and when he'll know and what the answer will be. Um, we don't know, but mm. I'm just, I'm exhausted by it and it's so, I just, yeah. It's be over so soon. pointless. <laughs> yeah. Be over soon. Uh, Dominic Seam's not playing. He's out of the whole Australia swing. Uh, will start his season on clay in Latin America at the end of January, early February. I, I think that's sensible, to be honest. I think the chances of him being properly competitive, really, at the moment, much as we'd love to see him back, are, are, would be very small after a wrist surgery. Um, so I think he's probably making the right call there. Um, so, yeah, loads and loads of tennis going on this week. We'll we'll keep you up to date with it on our show Next week, um, we will also have a newsletter out in the next next couple of days in which we've uh, we've stuck our big predictions for 2022 in. So um, sign up to our newsletter if you're not already on the list. Uh, uh, the link to that is in the show notes to this show. Um, and yeah, we've had a few belters coming on on Twitter of people who've given their big predictions for uh, for the year. Uh, Penelope Mills 
says Ash Barty's going to win the Calendar Slam. Chances? That She's the only player who could do it, surely. What do you think? Yeah, she's not going to do it. But if I had to name a female player that, that was could do it, I'd say Ash Barty. But I don't think that's going to happen at all. Too much competition, mm. isn't there, out there? I think we might have invented a new segment, Catherine, taking down listeners' predictions. I'm quite excited about the next three. <laughs> okay, Bobby You could Bobby say Walnut. anything on Twitter. Right? I, could say, uh, I could say, you know, <sighs> Arta Rinderknesh is going to win the French Open. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but you wouldn't get read out. Wouldn't I? So, <laughs> I no, feel like you would. No, no. You are going to read out the most outrageous. So No, I'm not. No, okay. you haven't. Well, let's just see Ash where Barty it goes. to win the Calendar Slam's good. Right, Bobby Wall. It's Walnut not going to happen, though. That is pretty outrageous. not going to happen. Sorry, well, Penelope, okay. but it's not going to happen. Clip that up, Matt. Uh, Bobby Walnut says none of the big three will add to their Hall of 20 Grand Slam titles. Yeah, it's plausible. I'm not, I'm not sure that's that big a prediction, Bobby. <gasps> She's hard work today, folks. <laughs> She's not going to be just nodding her head along with all these, I tell you. Uh, Sam says Djokovic will get to 21 at the Australian Open and the momentous achievement triggers another one of his weird long dips in form and a rejuvenated Rafa then wins his 21st at the French before adding an incredible and unexpected Wimbledon title to take him to 22. Until I heard the Wimbledon thing, I was going to say that's not a big prediction at all. If anything, I'd say that's, you know, not unlikely. But the the Wimbledon, the Wimbledon addendum makes it a medium-sized, a medium-large prediction. Could happen. Thoughts on what you've heard so far, Matt? I told you, we've invented a great section. I'm enjoying Catherine's analysis immensely. Okay, I can't wait to see what she's got to say about what Stephen Molloy has put down here. Denis Shapovalov will give me multiple headaches. Not a big prediction, definitely going to happen. Carlos Alcaraz will lose in the first round at the French, leading to a hilarious first daily from the pod. (laughs) Yes, please. Because I've said Carlos Alcaraz will win the French Open this year. Uh, I mean, this is ridiculous. Stephen Malloy says, Catherine will defend her title in the predictions race. Yep. yep. And Dave, David will go unbeaten against Solihull Simon, which is probably a decent shout, given that I'm not sure I'll get out there and play him the state I'm in at the moment. <laughs> but anyway. Solihull um, Simon is focusing on doubles. Yes, he is actually. <laughs> <laughs> he's done his knee so uh, he's focusing on things that don't require movement he's Andy Murray in 2019 yes he, yes he is that's right so he's given Feliciano Lopez equivalent to call um, and uh, yes they're sweeping all before them so we've almost got through it folks two people with with illness and we've almost got through the show um, and uh, we do have the the most joyous part of the, the podcast to enjoy at the end, certainly from our perspective, because we have all new mascots. First, I'd like to say a huge thanks to our 2021 mascots, which were Rogue for me, uh, Zeus for Catherine, and Scousel Mousel for Matt, who were all most marvellous presenter mascots. And we've got new ones, Catherine, this year. Yes, they were big shoes to fill for me because obviously Zeus mascotted me to victory. 
And yeah. so uh, Carter, he, you've got your he will always have a special place out. in my place in my heart. But Carter has got off to a wonderful start uh, by um, announcing uh, his place as my mascot for the year via video. Uh, he chose me personally. Over me. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did so using a tennis ball as a prop. Uh, and he's just lovely. He's a six-year-old flat-coated retriever owned by Ray. He's got beautiful, soulful eyes. Uh, according to this picture, he looks like he very much enjoys a beer and a cupcake. And um, yes, he chose me. And uh, it's I'm delighted. And no offence, Carter, but I'm also delighted because it means I get Darwin, the dog, as my mascot, who is a 10-year-old Wheaton Terrier owned by Carrie. (laughs) And I've got a picture here of Darwin lying on a a green US Open sort of 90s-style tennis court, green with uh, the white lines, looking looking lovely. And uh, I'm very happy to have you, Darwin. Very good name for a dog, Darwin, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I'm perfectly happy with Darwin as my mascot. Uh, Matt has got Gerald the cat, who's owned by Daryl, and uh, Daryl is the person who we all beat at the uh, predictions uh, throughout the year last year, or at least some of us did. Yes, I didn't. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why you've been mascotted. Yes, yeah. he I think... wants to. Daryl wants to coach you. Yes, I need some help, so I have Gerald the cat on my side. Our our Wimbledon mascot, I think, from twenty twenty. Our yes. our Wimbledon relived mascot, Gerald. Oh, super! Marvelous cat. Oh. He he's a classy guy. Mm. That's great. We also got a weekly mascot who is Colin, sixteen months old. Fox Red Labrador living with Blair and Chris. And uh, we've got a picture of Colin sitting uh, in the countryside, in the hills, with a a lovely lake in the background. And he's got a massive smile on his face and he looks lovely. So thank you so much for being our sponsor this week. Yes. Um, I like it when um, dogs, animals have sort of very pedestrian human names, e.g. Colin. (laughs) you know can you imagine a dog called clive (laughs) i must i've never met a dog called colin before this is a cat called siobhan (laughs) (laughs) i can't imagine it i can imagine any name sally sally we, we've got 50 mascots throughout the year to, to look forward to meeting, and, uh, and I can't wait to, to see them all. Um, and talking of uh, dogs, Billie Jean's got a sponsor again this year. It's Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss, who are back. Uh, so thank you to them for sponsoring Billie Jean. We've also got the return of our executive producer, Chris Albert Lee. The top bloke, Catherine. Is back. Do we have to find a new compliment for him for for twenty twenty? Nah, he's just top bloke. Uh, he can't yeah. improve upon top bloke. It's like when someone gets introduced to sort of former world number one. There's no point in giving them anything <laughs> else. That's good enough, isn't okay. it? Okay, yeah. Um, we we've got shout outs as well, haven't we, Matt? We have got shout outs, and excitingly, this year shout outs have a bit of extra information accompanying. Oh yeah. Them. This means that when I ask you for supplementary information, you don't have to squirm. I have it at my fingertips. 
Yes. Depends what you ask. <laughs> it does depend what you ask. If you ask where they're from, that is the answer I will have. <laughs> okay. So, first one of the new year is Greg Fishman. Where's Greg from? He is right, from Greg. Richmond, Virginia, USA. Oh, very wow. nice. Richmond is the capital of Virginia, I believe. I think it's where Arthur Ashe was born. Lovely. I've never been. I want to go. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. I've been to Richmond, London, but you know. Thank you very places. much, Greg. Yes. Tell us and all about Richmond, Virginia. And we asked if they had anything else they wanted to say with their shout out. And Greg said simply, love the show. So thank you very much. Oh, Greg. thanks, Greg. Cheers, Greg. We have Carrie Zotter from Ooh. Salzburg, okay. Austria. Oh, wow. cool. That's very cool. Isn't there a tennis tournament in Salzburg? No, there's something in Salzburg, isn't there? Is there a Grand Prix? Is that where the Austrian Grand Prix is, maybe? I don't I know. know. That's I'm out of my depth. Yeah. <laughs> is Salzburg a skiing, skiing place? <laughs> anyway. Oh, no, maybe I'm just thinking of FC Salzburg. Maybe I'm just thinking of foot, football. Oh, dear. Red well, Bull? Are they a Red Bull team? Red Bull Salzburg. That's Red yes. Bull, yes. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Mm. We, They've got a free ad. We got there. Well, we got somewhere <laughs> anyway. Thank you, and Carrie. Finally, we have Bethan Griffith from London. All right, Bethan. A- an oldie but a goodie, Bethan. Down the road yeah. from Catherine. Yeah. Thank you very much. She is half Welsh and was introduced to the podcast after a friend from her uni tennis team recommended it to her, oh, which is it's, very nice. It's a very, highly, um, very Welsh encouraged. name, that, isn't it? Bethan Griffith. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much, do, Bethan. Do exactly like Bethan has. Tell your friends about the tennis podcast. Get them to listen um, because we're going to be coming your way big time. Over the next few weeks, hopefully, <laughs> we can all stay out of trouble um, because it's not been the best few days. Uh, but we are planning daily editions of the tennis podcast throughout the Australian Open. That's the idea. Um, and uh, yeah, so you'll have lots to to get your teeth into and we'll try and keep you fully up to date. Also, as I mentioned at the, uh, the start of the show, uh, if you'd like to become a friend of the tennis podcast, not only are you helping to keep the, the show going all year round, it helps us to produce produce well over 100 shows a year i think we managed over 150 in 2021 um but those will all be free to to everybody but uh for friends of the tennis podcast you'll be getting extra stuff and uh, that already includes the show we recorded in december my first wimbledon we got lots and lots of archive shows some of our favorite shows that we picked out and put in on that feed as well for all friends um, and we're going to record another one in the next few days. My first Australian Open, so I get to reminisce some more. Uh, we've got, uh, talking of reminiscing, a couple of editions of Tennis Relived planned. Uh, we're going to have listener Q&As throughout the year as well. Lots and lots of other ideas um, for the rest of the year. So if you would like to become a friend of the t- Tennis Podcast, the link is in your show notes. So do please sign up. Catherine, get well soon. I know it's been a rubbish few days. Um, but we'll be back and up and at them very soon, won't we? Hope so. <laughs> That's the idea. Uh, Matt, stay away from it if you can. It's rubbish. Um, and uh, I hope you all stay safe and well as well. And we'll be back next week. See you then.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.